Before we get started on this episode of Real Nerds Podcast, remember you can connect to the Real Nerds in many ways. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can also call us 720-6NERDS5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2016. We <laughs> hey, we're also of 2015, so that's all right. Of 2016 yeah. and beyond. I am Ryan. With me is James, and only James Brad. This weekend is filming his 48 hour film festival yeah. project that kills him. He, he's so funny. Every year he says, "Oh man, I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna do it this year." And then inevitably he gets really excited around this time and oh, wants yeah. to do it. And it's usually really fun. It is. And I'll give people a little uh, sneak preview because I've been uh, watching Brad on Instagram. They got horror yeah. this year, and he's calling it Catastrophe. Which probably means it's got to stop motion cat in it. That'd be sweet. <laughs> and you can see all of Brad's previous 40-hour film festivals. You either go to his website, nebulousvisions.com, or you can go to Vimeo and just type in Nebulous Visions. Yeah. Or uh, he's, been, uh, he's been reposting them to Facebook throughout the week, yeah. too. So. And every time I see, don't be a pussy, I laugh because it's pretty funny. <laughs> and his uh, one last year won Best Use of Dialogue, so The Diary of Anya it. Frank. Yeah. That one's good. It is good. It's really good. So our super creative guy is not here this week. Yep. Hey. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time you created something? Oh, never. I'm waiting for you to write another article. I could do that. I only, you know, edit the podcast and put together new interstitials and like. Yeah, but I'm waiting for articles from you. You're I right. finished my Tom Cruise one. You're very right. It took me five hours to write that. Yeah. It was obnoxious. And then, like, I towards the that. end of them, I mean, I have fun obviously watching movies and I like telling people what my favorite Tom Cruise movies were. Yeah. But towards the end, I start getting really annoyed because yeah. I was Cause like, oh, I got to write something about lions for lambs. Oh. Yeah, no, don't worry. That was like number 36. I'm sure. How many are there? Uh, 39. Okay. Well, it's I, stupid. I, po- I published the art- article, and I started writing it about a month ago. And then as I was proofreading it before I um, actually sat down and wrote wrote the article, I realized I forgot to put collateral in there. Oh, yeah. And uh, I decided I was going to add Rogue Nation. And oh, so it ended cool. up being 39 movies. And so I forgot to change the opening paragraph I wrote. So I have to go back and edit it because I says here's the 36 movies and there's 39. Was was Rogue Nation your 39th movie? Stay tuned. Stay for the tuned. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week we went and saw Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. Remember, this movie was supposed to open in December, and yep. and they moved it way up. Probably smart. I bet they made a lot more money. Oh, I'm sure they did. What was the big December movie? Um. Well, they have. Uh, Star Wars is what I think a lot of people oh, are afraid oh, of. Yeah. You mean? Oh, that's right. They they moved it up. It was this 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 upcoming December, not yeah. last December. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. No. No. Don't compete with Star Wars. Because I think it actually opened the week before Star Wars originally. Yeah. But they're worried that Star Wars would just oh it, it, cannibalize everything. Yep. So yeah. You know, I hate when I do this, but last week I forgot to tell people what to watch. At their Alamo Draft House. Yeah, you did. I hate when I do that. I do too. They're gonna be like, "Fuck you! You were never sponsoring your podcast again, you assholes." They, I mean, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, they don't technically sponsor us now, but still. They do. Really? Yeah. You're, get, you're getting money? No. <laughs> like, who, who, make, who makes money, off, who makes money off podcasting? Who, who's floating you cash that's not coming my way? Yeah, who makes money off podcasting? Nobody. Nobody. We do it for the love of it. But, uh, it's not entirely true. There are some people who do. Yeah. It's really rare. Yeah, I mean, you have to be like Kevin Smith or something. and Yeah, you, you've either got to be like a Keith and the Girl where you have a huge following, or you build a website against it, so you have like... Um, like Giant Bomb has a giant has a huge website, and the website makes money. But the reason I follow it is because of their podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, here's what's playing at the Alamo next week. Listen up, this is it. This is what we've all worked for. We paid to be here. I want you to know, your friends and your family are going to be watching every second. They're going to be with you every moment of this. So let's do it for them. Let's do it for each other. And let's make sure that we have some pride. Stop that. Would you stop? I can hear you. Stop. Put that down. Listen, how am I supposed to give my inspirational speech here if you're talking and you're texting? Come on now. Clear eyes, full heart. Turn your goddamn cell phones off. I'm really excited because the one you just listened to is a brand new Alamo um, like PSA that I don't think I've seen in a theater yet where where Kyle Chandler uh, oh, reprises like, his role as you love Kyle Coach Chandler. Taylor. Oh, yeah. it's like med, made for you. Yeah, I really like it. So if you didn't get the joke, then like go fucking watch some Friday, Friday Night Lights because that show is great. Oh, man. What's, what's really cool about the Alamo is remember every month they kind of have a theme. Yeah. Uh, this month, I'm excited, Sinister Saturdays, which is Ooh. horror movies leading up to the release of Sinister 2. Hey, so I have a quick question sure. because I, I'm not a horror guy. So I should know this answer, but I don't. Sinister 2 is not directed by Scott Derrickson, right? No, he's a producer, and I think he has story credit. Oh, okay. Um, I've, I've looked at the IMDb page. Um, I Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's just story, because right now he's he's, busy. he's, he's yeah. busy. He's making yeah. Doctor Strange. Right. That's um, what I figured. I just want to make sure. Yeah. You know, he squeezed, like, um, Go Train Your Devil or whatever that show that Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. <laughs> Go Train Your Devil? <laughs> we should make a movie called Go Train, Go train, train Your, your Devil. devil. Um, but the ring is today. So if you're, oh, if right. we can, you know, uh, tell people to go see the ring. Yeah. But I'll be there next Saturday because Ooh. next Saturday is night of the living dead, which is oh. the 8th of August. Very cool. Um, and then, uh, following that would be sinister and fo- by sinister too. Uh, you know, Scott Derrickson is from Colorado. That'd be sweet mm-hmm. if he actually came to the sinister screening. But, that would be awesome. But I think he's Again, I'm sure pretty he's busy. busy. Um, He's like, you know, I'm a big Hollywood guy, but I'm gonna fly to Denver to go to the Alamo to see a movie I didn't right. ma- direct get re- get re- uh, released. Well, most of their stuff isn't until later in the month. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm seriously scrolling. Okay, here we go. So, do the right thing is the ninth. Oh yeah, I'm and not so see is Joe Bryath, AD. Huh. Sure. I, I think that's I don't what, know what that is. You know, the Miracle Mile. Remember, we were talking about that last week because of the director who directed cherry 2000 is oh gonna... yeah that's right oh look at that 
director Steve DeJanet will be in person for Miracle Mile on the 14th. Huh. We can go ask him why Alamo or why Amazon keeps telling me to buy Cherry 2000. Maybe I should just buy and watch Cherry 2000 so that that way yeah. I'm an educated Steve DeJarnet person. I, I heard uh, Blu-ray.com gave Miracle Mile a 5 out of 5. So it must be a good movie. I don't know. Well, I'm not going to start with the good one. I'm going to start with Cherry 2000 because I think the, that, that movie sounds amazing. Totally. Uh, so yeah, that's what's playing this week at the Alamo. They have a bunch of stuff coming up a little later in the month. And when it gets closer, I'll let you guys know. Cool? Cool. What are we doing first? Um, I don't care. What do you want to do, James? Uh, let's do what we've been watching. Okay. I want to get that out of the way. Out of the way. Are either one of these any good? Sir? What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. Kellen, what have you been watching? Uh, well, he's been reading Science of the Lambs. You can see where he's been eating the book. <laughs> I know. I, er, earlier he was playing with it. I was like, oh, I need to take a screenshot of that or a, a picture of that and send it to my mom because she'll <laughs> think it's hilarious and horrible. But yeah. Look at him. They're like, you know, he's he's almost willing to let go of things and walk. Yeah. Like he's walking. He just doesn't know that he can. <laughs> He's pretty funny. Do you want to play with my phone, buddy? There you go. Uh, this week I saw a few things. Good. Uh, I can't remember. I didn't talk about Piranha last week, did I? No. Did you watch Piranha? I did. Not the the new one. I watched oh. the Joe Dante, Roger Corman Piranha. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, from 1978, yeah. I think is when it came out. That sounds about right. Um, and yeah, it's basically a Jaws ripoff. Oh, yeah. But in a charming b-movie kind of way where it's obviously not scary uh because it's little rubber fish (laughs) but it's pretty violent and (laughs) sorry i'm getting distracted by the fact that he's just like holding the phone to his mouth and just talking into it like literally into the phone yeah go ahead like like he knows yeah so yeah base the premise is a, a little different than the remake in the in the Piranha 1978. By remake, you mean Piranha 3D, which is also the third one. Yes, because they have the second one, which was James Cameron's first movie. Yes. Um, and then they remade it in 2010, 11? Oh, re- uh, oh. well, yeah, whenever that was. Yeah, I, I mean, all, I, it, I do it, like the new one. It's also like a, a, the, a new install era, because it's 3D. Yeah. So it is both the third one and like a reboot. It's yeah. like a reboot. Yeah, a reboot. yeah, you're right. So I, anyway, I mean, unless it's the same story. Is it uh, the same story? Eh, not really. Okay. So this one takes place kind of in a mountain river town. And the piranha are part of a... <laughs> so the government hired the scientists to make mutated piranha. And they were going to put them in the Viet... Viet vietnam river system to kill the Viet Cong. this is a brilliant idea of course and <laughs> nothing could go wrong here <laughs> so these two kids go swimming in this off-limits tank and they get eaten by the piranha of course not before there's some gratuitous nudity right and so they get eaten and their friends come looking for them 
and they drain the pond or the experiment tank. I don't know what you'd fucking call yeah. it. Is there uh, a skeleton in there? Yes, there is. Oh, <laughs> man, it's the skeleton of the dude. <laughs> and so they drain it, and then they unleash the piranha into the river system. But they're okay as long as they can make it to the dam before they open the dam and it shoots all the piranha into a kid's summer camp. Uh, no. Yeah. Why are the kids summer camping right outside of a dam? Like, like why would James, the, why would the summer get... camp get flooded by a dam? Don't don't try don't try to get logic into this because how do we know that the piranhas don't eat cement? So, and they're just going to eat their way through the dam. <laughs> that sounds like the way they, the movie should end. Oh my goodness, is that wow? The movie no. Is? Oh, so, uh, but along the way, the piranha obviously are eating people. Yeah. Like this guy who's fishing and has his legs in the water, yeah, and right. he gets his legs eaten. And as the other, when he pulls his legs out of the water, are they just skeleton legs? So as the. Ah! <laughs> As the people that are trying to warn the kids about the piranha coming on a raft, because that's the fastest way they can get there. And so they're going down the river on a raft, and they notice a dog just barking on the duck, but blood everywhere. So they get off their raft, and there's that dude, like, drug himself up the, like, bank. Yeah. And, yeah, he has nothing but, like, skeleton legs with, like, <laughs> with pieces of flesh on him. So, uh, so they make it to like the... Da- it's like the scene with Dante's Peak with the, with the, when the grandma walks through the water. Yes. Remember that? Yes. Oh, gosh. That, uh, that scarred me as a child. <laughs> so they make it to the dam before the dude opens the dam and all the piranha get out. Oh, good. Happy but, ending. No. But lo and behold, all the piranha have to do is swim, like, to the right. <laughs> There's another way for them to get around the dam. <laughs> They're... They're literally, they go to a map and they point, I know, they point to the dam and they say, oh, look, there's another way for the piranha to get there. Um, It has B-movie charm and it's, yeah, oh, I'm sure it's, it's actually pretty like, overall, it's a pretty fun movie to watch because, you know, it's from the seventies and it's, I'm pretty sure it's like 82 minutes long. Oh, so it literally flies by and it was fun. And, you know, for not having very much money, the piranha effects are pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can tell they're rubber fish, but it was cool watching the special features and having Joe Dante describe how they made the piranha attack the raft and stuff. They basically had guys underneath with piranha, rubber piranhas on stuck sticks. to sticks and yeah. just like jamming them up. <laughs> and then as the special features went on, our good friend Phil Tippett hey. was, that was one of his first uh, movies he did special effects for. Really? So That's yeah, he cool. did, he went from that to star Wars. Oh, so good for him. Yeah. Step up. <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, he made it, <laughs> I think is what I'm saying. And he was, those special features must've been shot a while ago. Cause he looked pretty young in them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, it's fun. It's one of those movies that when you go to, are you, are you saying that nobody interviews Phil Tippett about Piranha? <laughs> yeah, I, if I would have known, I would have asked him about it. <laughs> the, it, it's fun. It's one of those movies that I get at Tradesmart because you get them for you know a dollar or whatever. Right. Yeah, and the the box art's really cool, and it's a Scream Factory Blu-ray oh. before it was Scream Factory. Yeah, it's Shout Factory, and then they right. kind of took all their. Uh, B-movie horror movies and did the imprint of Scream. Right. And so it has a great, great special features on it. And the video presentation is really good. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I had lots of fun watching it. I I also watched Demolition Man again oh. for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I love that movie. I really do. It's it's so cheesy, but so awesome. I remember, too, I used to play the Sega Genesis game. And as I was 
watching the movie and they had all those little logos. I'm like, oh, I remember the pixelated version of that. Because <laughs> uh, the Sega Genesis version is your John Spartan and you're, it's basically like a Smash TV. Have you ever played Smash TV? Yeah. It's basically Smash TV, but Demolition Man style. Sure. And it's super bloody and gory. Uh, I remember having lots of fun playing it, but in it, uh, Sylvester Stallone plays John Spartan, which is a great name for a cop. Oh, yeah. And Simon Phoenix. Did that just stop? There it goes. No. <laughs> okay. It's fine. Uh, Simon Phoenix is Wesley Snipes, and that's a great name for a villain. And they're in Los Angeles in 1997 when <laughs> Los Angeles is overrun by gangs and violence and the city's on fire, which really happened, I guess, in 97. Yeah, that, that part's actually pretty... One of the most accurate future <laughs> movies yeah. ever made. Anyways, the police don't want to go in there, but John Spartan does, because he's going to he's gonna stop Simon Phoenix. Because his name is John Spartan. Yeah, and because Simon Phoenix is a drug dealer, I guess, and he has a host, like all these people from on a bus hostage, like 30-something people. Okay. And so before John Spartan goes in there, he does, uh, uh, what is it called? A thermal scan to make sure that there's, and there's nobody there. So he says, all right, I'm going in after Phoenix. And so he goes in there and they have this huge fight and he knocks Phoenix out. And as the building's blowing up, he has Simon Phoenix on his shoulders and he runs out and, uh, they get out and the captain says, where's the hostages, Spartan? And he says, I don't know. He must have stashed him somewhere. And then Wesley says, wrong again, Spartan. And the building blew up with the people inside. <laughs> and so John Spartan is sentenced to like life in suspended animation, frozen animation, uh, because he killed a bunch of people, even though he really didn't. But whatever. It's for the plot. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyways, he's thought, uh, Simon Phoenix has thought out, but He's supposed to, when they're in there, they're getting rehabilitated through programs that are implanted into them. And Simon Phoenix got implanted with like computer hacking skills, kung fu skills, and like superhuman strength. Computer hacking skills. Yep. You should, uh, and Sandra Bullock's in it and she's really funny. It's when she was, before she was a star. Yeah. Uh, and the movie's just really clever. And Dennis Leary is the leader of the <laughs> underground people. And he has literally a Dennis Miller part where, Sylvester Stallone goes underground to find him and uh, to talk to him. And he says, you know what I want? I want to be able to run through the town. And he just goes on and on and on. It's like basically Dennis Miller stand-up bit. Uh, he doesn't know how to use the seashells. They use three seashells <laughs> instead of uh, toilet paper. Uh, he cusses and you get fined for cussing in the future. It's just awesome. Like the movie <laughs> is like total 90s action movie cheese, right. but like in the coolest way possible. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line is the the police from... The your computer's acting weird. It is, but we're okay. Weird. Uh, the police in the future don't know how to deal with violent criminals, so that's how John Spartan gets out, and he has an idea, and the police chief has, I forget what his idea is, and John Spartan says, oh, not, no offense, but that's really fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny, and uh, I had fun watching the movie, yeah. and Taco Bell's the only restaurant left after the restaurant wars. <laughs> Which that part actually will probably still come true. Probably. I mean, it'll be those Kentaco huts, but still. Yeah. It'd yeah. be great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you should totally watch Demolition Man. It's And it looks really good on Blu-ray. Uh, it only has one oh, special good. feature, which is a commentary. I didn't listen to it, but I had fun watching it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it again. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and then the last things I watched is I watched both of the Fantastic Four movies. 
um, from 2005, 2007. That's too bad. Uh, I don't. Here's the thing with those movies: is I don't think they're bad movies. I just think they're really safe. There's, sure. There's. I don't know how to describe it. There's the movie doesn't take any chances. Right. They're not trying to accomplish anything. Exactly. The, <laughs> and I think, and it's not the actor's fault, but I think Reed Richards no. is really boring in it. Yep. Jessica Alba is really miscast. Uh, yeah. I, I think any time that you, like, I think whiteface in general is just a bad idea. Yeah, so, and that's the thing like, is you don't, that, that was at a time in 2005 where they thought that people wanted, you know, a blonde hair, blue-eyed Sue Storm. No one well, cares. And, and, well, it was also at a time when they just knew that if they put Jessica Alba in a movie, it would make money. Yeah, because so, they, they also had this stuff where, you know, she's an invisible woman, so, right. oh, what happened to her clothes? And she can't oh. hold her invisible powers very long. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say that Chris Evans as a human torch is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fun. He, he's great as, and even Michael Chiklis as the thing is pretty good. Yeah, that was actually pretty good casting, I think. So um, those two, and they're actually given the best arcs in the films. Yeah, where well, because know, their their powers are detrimental to their lives mm-hmm. to some degree. Like Human Torch isn't as bad. Well, the Human um, Torch embraces it. He's the yeah. guy who's like, "Oh, look how cool I am!" And then, well, but he can turn it off. The yeah. thing can't turn it off. Exactly, right? which and is so, always a great story. So yeah, but the thing is, is they don't spend enough time on the thing being confused and not being wanting to be him, right? Um, even though in the first movie he he gets cured by Doctor Doom, and so he's so happy, but then he realizes that the Fantastic Four needs him, and he turns back into the thing, and and that's cool. But you know they had this that really forced. He's engaged, and he comes back, and he's a monster. And Andrea from The Walking Dead is his uh, <laughs> fiance, and she sees him, and she's scared, and doesn't love him anymore. And then yeah. he ends up meeting the really nice blind girl, but. I don't know. It just it seems too safe, and yes. I mean I understand that they're trying to make. It seems like it's more of a kid superhero movie. Oh, it totally. Where is. it's geared to younger people. Yeah. Uh, so the first one isn't too bad. The second and one I don't think is bad either. They're they're very much of their time because mm-hmm. at the time those movies were made, that's kind of what comic book movies were. I mean, even even as good as Spider Man one and two are, they are not not as safe, but they are made. With the premise that we're gonna make toys, we're gonna make money on kids. Like they sure. they were still for kids and not necessarily aimed at the geek audience as much as they are now, right? It wasn't as much. Those yeah. movies weren't chock full of um, homages to fandom stuff and things like that. The way that the Marvel movies are, or even the the DC movies are now, like because what they're what they're pandering to there is the comic book fan audience. Whereas at the time they were just like, oh no, these movies like they're superhero movies are for kids, you know. Yeah. Still older kids, but kids. Yeah, I mean, there there are some really cool parts in the Fantastic Four movies. I mean, I had fun watching. I'm not... It's just... it. There's just moments in them you're saying, oh, that's kind of lame. Yeah, like, it's Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom could be awesome. Like, dark and cool. He could be the fucking Darth Vader of that little series. And he he just feels a little bit plastic. Yeah, and, that, and they give him goofy, like, electricity powers. Yeah. Which... And they don't really play up the angle that he's jealous of Reed Richards enough. Yeah. And he already has, like, the coolest thing where he has diplomatic immunity, and they don't play that up. Diplomatic uh, immunity. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't pull out, you know, his badge to say that. It's... And when he gets a Silver Surfer's um, surfboard in the second one, he does these really exaggerated 
movements that just really bug me. Yeah. You know, he's he's trying too hard. You don't have to act that hard. Right. I know you have a mask on and all that stuff, but it just seems goofy. Right. Uh, but I, this, I do like the Silver Surfer in Rise of Silver Surfer. I think he's an interesting character. Yeah. Uh, Galactus is Galactus not, is horrible. Yeah. And, and it's it's watching it, it's like they knew they should have had the real Galactus because when the Silver Surfer at the end is flying through and he's going to basically kill Galactus, they do flashes of Galactus's face. Right. And it's like, just make him who he is, you yeah. know? Because that's interesting to me, to have like a huge, like, 100-foot-tall dude, like, come down and, like, suck the planet through his hand and stuff. I think that's cool. Yeah. But, you know, what it is what it is. Uh, Yeah, it's just... Sue Storm and Reed Richards are just boring in it. I think mm-hmm. they... And I, the thing is, I don't know how you make Reed Richards interesting. Um, in, in the comics, they start making him, like, a bad guy because he's not interesting. I wouldn't do that. I mean, I think you can make super intelligent people interesting... Um, and without, without necessarily going down the, the path of like them either going evil or not understanding what they're doing, like you just have to give them something to like, you have to ground that character in some way. Yeah. Like you have to make his relationship with a, I, I think for one thing, you have to make him feel guilty about the fact that all his friends have, are, are like fucked up now, like, mm-hmm. and that it's his fault for one thing. Um, and then you have to make his relationship with with Sue Storm something that is more substantial than well she's Jessica Alba like mm-hmm. you know um, there has to actually be something there uh, which I don't think that there really is like have them have problems yeah the, you know yeah that's what I mean it seems really squeaky clean yeah you know their problems is oh look at Johnny Storm now he, now he has logos of Dodge and stuff on his uniform they're not wearing those yeah you know that's it's that's what I mean it's too safe yeah. Uh, I mean, there are some great moments. I like that when Sue uses her powers, you know, it hurts her because it requires a lot of energy. Yeah. There's, I mean, and the last fight with Doom in the first one was pretty cool, but it's, it might've been the actor too. He might've not have been a cool Dr. Doom, like just miscast. Well, and and I think he visually, he's not the most striking version of Doom. I don't think. Yeah. Like, I mean, the thing is, is Doom looks cool already because he has the hood, he has the cape. But you gotta like lean into the hood and the cape. Exactly. Like, and don't make it don't make it look super super cheesy. And it might be because they're rated PG, so they don't want Doom to cross a certain are they, line. Are they rated yeah. PG? Oh, yeah. So you don't want Doom to be the thing of nightmares. Exactly. But yeah. you kinda want because in the second one he's so he's still Silver Surfer's surfboard. Yeah. And makes him super powerful. And then they try to do fan service by making Johnny being able to absorb all the powers of the Fantastic Four. So basically making him a super scroll. Right. And so he fights Doom that way. And yeah, that's cool. He's flying around and he has the invisibility and the stretch and the strength of the thing and the flames of Johnny Storm. And that's cool. But then he just punches Doom off the surfboard and the Doom fall, Doom falls into the ocean. Yeah. And he sinks. So does Doom die or is he? I mean, that's the end of Doctor Doom. Doom in doesn't that. die. Yeah. That's the end of Doctor Doom he, in that. Oh, uh, man, he fell in some water. Yeah. Who could have predicted that? I know it. Yeah. No, it's not, they're not they're not great. No, they're not great. I still had, I mean, I had fun watching them, but yeah, it's you, I would if I could I would just skip forward to when Human Torch is on because he's yeah. funny. Yeah, they are completely forgettable. Yeah. And you're right cuz it seems like Richards and Storm they don't fight like their their relationship just seems like it has to be there. There's no Yeah, I'm not saying that like every for a relationship to be good TV to be a good film relationship like that it has to be on the rocks. 
I'm just no, saying, like he doesn't, he hasn't, had, he doesn't have to really fight for her. Right. There's got to be some risk somewhere. Yeah. Like, because I have to. I have, either there has to be chemistry or they, there has to be risk, and those two have no chemistry. And they try to shoehorn it in by, you know, <coughs> Doom is, oh, you should marry me, and she says, I'm not going to marry you, and then after that's the next scene, they get their powers, and she has dinner with Reed, and then all of a sudden she says, oh, me and Victor, there's nothing there, and so that's all he had to do was bring her to dinner uh, yeah. you know what i mean it's it's not like hey baby i can feed you it's not like conflicted with spider-man where like oh you know i have to protect you i have to do this right. and the best thing for me to do to protect you is for me to not be in your life exactly that's a really great dark exactly. idea um and then for you to you know just ignore it and do it anyways i think it's a wonderful idea but mm-hmm. this is the, oh th- they need to be together yeah great yeah but it's you know they're harmless Safe is a really good way to describe it. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just a safe movie. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I watched this week. Ge- gearing up for the next one, I guess. I watched some stuff that wasn't safe. Yeah? Sweet. Yeah. Uh, after after our conversation about Tradesmart last week, I went to <laughs> Tradesmart. And one of the things I picked up there is a movie that I've I've walked past a bunch of times at Tradesmart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think partially because I was always hoping there's a cool box set of it that comes with two, like, uh, shot glasses. Oh, that are shaped yeah. like shotgun shells. Oh, yeah. And I've always been like, oh, man, I really want that one. But they've never got it. They never have a used copy, and I was like, I, "There's no way I'm paying a lot for this movie." Um, and so this time, as I was walking by, I I was just like, "You know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and get like I didn't get the shotgun shell. Oh, one. Wow. how much? They is didn't it? have one. No, they didn't have oh. one. Um, but they had Drive Angry for Sweet. Uh, used, and they were having that sale, so I got it for like two dollars or three dollars <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Something ridiculous. Um, so Drive Angry is. Uh, pretty awesome <laughs> right uh, yeah <laughs> like in a stupid way uh, yeah in a in a james is gonna like this movie kind of way <laughs> to be completely honest uh the one thing that i will say is detrimental to this film is the first shot so i don't remember if, even though the, i just the watched very it. first thing right the very first thing that happens in the movie is you get some you get some narrative from the accountant oh that's right and you watch a car drive out of hell and if they didn't do that then the first time you watch this movie, you would have Nick Cage driving around, chewing scenery, mm-hmm. and just like overtly making these. Because he keep, in, in the first half of the movie, he just keeps telling Amber Heard's character, like, I got out of jail, and I got to oh, go save right. my daughter. That's right. So you wouldn't know that he came from hell. And then he'd get shot in the face and then come back, and there'd be like this weird guy following him, and you'd be like, what what is this guy's do? But but he would you would just think it was he got out of jail and there's some government guy tracking him and maybe it was jail maybe he was just like you know captured by the mob or something <laughs> yeah. and now he's out and there's this mobster dude right but you wouldn't know until Nick Cage gets shot in the face and then it would be awesome like that the fact that they show you that too early I think because the movie is so high concept and crazy off the wall that. No one would watch. No one would stick through the whole movie if the first third or so you were just like, "This is just weird," and Nick Cage is not great, and yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, so the story here <laughs> is uh, Nick Cage plays some dude, and uh, basically, <laughs> like, this cult has stolen his dead daughter's, or they they killed his daughter, and. Uh, took her baby and they're driving it across country for who knows why to sacrifice to it, dude. Sacri- yeah, but why? Why can't they sacrifice it where they had it? 
Because they have to go to that really cool cemetery. <laughs> they have to go to some campground somewhere yeah. where the final scene takes place. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so they're driving across country. He drives out of hell because he's like, I have to save my granddaughter. Right? Um. And he, he picks up Amber Heard along the way. Uh, there's a really great scene. Amber Heard's character is great. Mm-hmm. Like, genuinely cool. Yeah. Um, her first scene where she's working at this diner and the guy who runs the diner is just a, a jerk and, like, she beats the shit out of him and quits her job and ends up going with, with uh, Nick Cage. And um, it's just... <sighs> this movie knows exactly what it wants to be and it's... See, it's like... And if you added... What if you just changed... Nick Cage to the ghostwriter in this one. Dude, this it's, was an awesome mean. ghostwriter that's movie. That's what I mean. This is a better ghostwriter movie you make it than rated all R. ghostwriter. Yo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you make him fight demons and shit. Yeah. And shoot I, demons. I think there's some, so there's some jokes you probably couldn't get away with. Like the, the sex joke. I don't know that that works with ghostwriter. Probably not. But you, you know? don't need it. Um, <laughs> but how great no, is that scene? <laughs> that scene is really good, though. <laughs> like Nick Cage is totally wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah. He's... he's. <laughs> so, all right. Take a step back. So the scene is... She takes this guy from the bar back to her room. And what we find out is that the room right next door is the room that Nick Cage is staying in. And uh, Amber Heard's character, like, makes this comment about the fact that she can hear, like, the woman next door screaming because they're having sex. Mm-hmm. And we pan over, and there's Nick Cage lying in bed, not moving at all, fully clothed. And she's just, like, it's this bizarre scene because she's just, like pretending like it's the most amazing thing ever or maybe it is i don't know maybe the implication is that he's so cool that he doesn't have to move and that's what i want it to be because the character does walk around as if he's so cool that he doesn't have to do anything um I mean that that's the impression I get because it literally means he just pulled like his wiener out of his pants and had her sit (laughs) on it (laughs) you know and like i'm that good i'm that good i just sit there oh man it was pretty ridiculous but anyway (laughs) besides this is a buddy trail and then then he's rolling around like shooting dudes faces off like still having sex with her yeah yeah (laughs) it's not quite as good as the equivalent shoot 'em up scene but still pretty funny yeah it's still pretty funny um but uh, bunny trail so uh he he goes with amber heard and like the she's got a couple of awesome scenes the nice thing is she's never a romantic interest for nick cage Mm -hmm. which is cool um like i appreciate that yeah she gets captured but every time she gets captured she is pretty much a badass about the whole thing she's got that scene with the guy i haven't talked about yet that is the reason why i love this movie (laughs) but she's got a scene with the bad guy near the end where she's in his rv oh yeah his fucking his evil rv and uh, he's like, he's telling her like, you know, I'm going to kill you and like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice this thing and I'm going to bring hell to earth and all this stuff. And she's like, that's great. But until now or until then, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> and she just beats the shit out of him for a while. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the reason to watch this movie is like Nick Cage is notorious for his ability to just chew scenery and be mm-hmm. ridiculous. Billy Burke puts it to shame. He does. Billy Burke is so good in this movie. Well, the cool thing is, is I, Billy Burke recognizes what kind of movie he's yeah. in. You know what I mean? Even his haircut looks like he got he stole it out of a seventies horror film. Yep. Like it's just horrible, mm-hmm. and he looks dumb, and he's carrying around. I don't know whose idea it was to give him a like a a, a walking stick that is made out of 
the femur bone of Nick Cage's dead daughter. Oh, that's right. That's right. That is the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> like, what the hell are you? That's that's the kind of movie this is, where the villain uses the bone of the main character's daughter as his walking stick. That is that is what this movie mm-hmm. tries to do. Um, yeah, and then at the end, like they try to sacrifice the baby, and Nick Cage drives in in his car. Oh, and so there's also this guy named the accountant, um, played by uh, William Fickner. Yeah, Fickner. Yeah, and um, he basically. He's like he, a devil guy. I mean, he's, yeah. he's basically from hell, and he, his yeah. job is to keep his, track of everybody. Right. His job is to keep people in hell who get out. Um, and what's kind of cool is that he under there, he, you get to the, he gets to this place where he realizes, like, look, if I just let Nick Cage accomplish his goal, I will get what I want because he'll just give up and he'll go back to hell with me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and he also – there's this really good line – I don't remember if Fickner says it or ah, because the whole story is that Billy Burke is a Satanist who wants to bring hell to earth. And there's two really good comments on that. One is um, that uh, there's a guy who runs into the accountant and says something about like, you know, you know, him serving the master or whatever, or his master being Satan. And Fickner says like, that's funny because he never mentions you. Yeah, he's just really flipping about like dude satan doesn't give a shit about you yeah and then there is a scene where they're talking about this whole baby sacrificing thing and fickner says uh, or the accountant says that like you know there are a few things that he hates more than people like sacrificing thinking that sacrificing children makes him happy (laughs) (laughs) which i just thought was hilarious yeah because towards the end he realizes too he's gonna help nick cage he's like i'm just gonna help him because this guy is a clown yeah he's like this guy's an idiot like if i just help nick cage then nick cage gets what he wants and nick cage will go back to hell with me and then i'm i'm cool again because he also helps nick cage with the police uh barricade yeah because you think at the beginning he's the bad guy but he's really not the bad guy right yeah his job is literally just to keep track of people right but he just happens to have sweet cool devil powers (laughs) yeah which those scenes are always ridiculous oh yeah they're totally stupid this is a movie that if if you gave it more budget my hope would be that the only thing you would do is you would replace all of the cg with Mm -hmm. with practical effects because there's some times when like the car chases and some of the car effects look not as good yeah i agree because of the cg um but whatever like this was a cheap movie yeah but you still have fun watching it actually yeah i read an interesting article about the writer of that movie yeah his name's uh todd farmer and he's actually in the movie as an actor he's the big bald guy at the beginning uh amber heard's boyfriend oh yeah uh who's cheating on her uh, he oh. also wrote Jason X. Of course, he, hold on, hold yeah. on. Of course, the writer writes himself in as the dude who gets to have the like gratuitous sex scene. At the totally. Beginning. Well, it, here's a funny thing with him. He's actually so he's he wrote Jason X, and he's in Jason X as the guy named Dallas. Uh, his next movie was My Bloody Valentine 3D, which oh, he's yeah. also in a gratuitous ne- sex scene, who get, and he gets murdered. My goodness. Um, and then he's in Drive Angry. But I read an article from I think it's a Hollywood Reporter where he actually became homeless after that. Because, After Drive Angry? Yeah, because Jason X wasn't a big success. I, I think it still made money, but it wasn't, you know. Yeah. It made like $15 million. It cost $10 million, So, that, oh, that's yeah. not a bad return. My Bloody Valentine cost like $4 million and it made $37 million or something. So that's a pretty big hit. Yeah. You know, when you make horror films, that's your goal. Yeah. Then he made Drive Angry and it tanked. Ugh. And then no one wanted to hire him. And Aww. so he stayed in Hollywood because he had a daughter 
in Tennessee that he was trying to support. So he kept on trying to write, and he ended up not being able to afford something. He ended up working in Toy- at a Toyota dealership and living out of his Prius, and he kept on trying to write. And then eventually, he started selling uh, TV scripts and started doing rewrite work that no one knew because uh, My Bloody Valentine and Drive Angry had such a stigma around him that he wasn't able to get work for a while. Really? And so he had to kind of rebrand himself and he was homeless. It's a really interesting article. He, no, I'm sorry. It was for uh, Birth Movie Death. Oh, he wrote an article really? for the magazine. Yeah. And he wrote he wrote the article and he's talking about, you know, how he basically rebranded himself and how hard Hollywood was for him for the while. And then he realized that he could live in Tennessee with his daughter and still write for Hollywood and just send scripts out. It's, it's a really great story wow. and really fascinating and uh, kind of sad. You know, you're like, oh, man, this guy. I mean. Sure, Jason X and My Bloody Valentine and Drive Angry might not be what people will gravitate towards to, but I think he writes fun scripts. I mean, yeah. I think Jason X is maybe the most underrated Friday the 13th film. It gets a little goofy towards the end, yeah. but overall it's still actually pretty solid. Yeah. And My Bloody Valentine remake is actually pretty good, and I think Drive Angry is fun. Because I, I don't think... I don't think any of the stuff in Drive Angry that you would consider like poorly written is not intentional. No, no, no. And I too, I think, I think he knew what kind of movie he was writing. Right. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I, so I thought he was branded that way, but I guess he does a lot of TV uh, work now and does ghost writing. And is in the article he said he did, and that he has a house and everything. So oh, good. He ended up back on his feet, but it's just interesting mm-hmm. in how it can turn in an instant in that city because yeah. it does. Wow. You know, one minute you're making... One minute Nick Cage is in your shitty movie. Yeah. The next, <laughs> and the next minute you, you're homeless. Wow. But yeah, he tells stories about how he'd sleep in his Prius and he'd sleep in between people's... Maybe he's at this house or maybe they're at this house. Yeah. And the, because you're not allowed to sleep in your car. Right. Uh, so it is it is a really interesting story. And he, the story is well written, so he's a good writer. <laughs> uh, uh, what else you watch? That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so go check out Drive Angry. If you can get it's it, totally worth know. it, like oh, for three bucks, right? Abs- absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if it's on Netflix or Amazon or anything like that, like yeah, check it out. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, what I watched this week was um, another movie that you suggested some time really? ago. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, that stars Dan Stevens from uh, Downton Abbey. Uh, I heard a, he totally got like ripped for that because he used to not look like. Well, in Downton in Downton Abbey, he's always wearing suits and stuff, mm. so you can never really tell. I mean, I'm sure that he. He he is very muscly looking, and and I would say his his face is a is a little bit more chiseled here. Mm. Um, so he probably did like lose some lose some weight and put on some muscle mass. Nice. Um, he also like grew some stubble, and in, <laughs> and in, is a in, badass. In, in old in old, <laughs> old timey England, you didn't have facial hair, um, unless it was like one of those crazy handlebar mustaches. Yes. Um. Anyway, so the guest is. Awesome. Yeah, um, I told you, dude. It's awesome. It's, and it stars the, the girl from It Follows. Yeah, who is also fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, oh, because I well, I mean, I don't really need to talk about this, but I watched It Follows again this week as nice. well. Um, that movie's great. Yep. You should go check out It Follows. Um, there are some things about it that I noticed this time that I don't think I noticed in the past. But Did you notice when he was driving, you saw the, the thing following him in the rearview mirror when he was picking up the hooker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, oh, yeah. And my reading of that film... I completely stand by. He, does, no, I, he doesn't I think have sex right. with the hookers. And then... It, cha- um, it changed my opinion when I watched again, especially yeah. when I saw the the thing behind him, like still following him. Yeah. Oh. And it's him. It's him in his clothes. Yeah. I swear that the thing behind him at the end is him. Like... Yeah. And there's something to that. Like, yeah. he, even that detail is one of those things I want to think about. It's like... 
the movie ends in a place where you are always like your death is always following you. Yeah, it's oh, awesome. Oh, anyways, cool. Man. Uh, the guest. Yeah, so the guest. Um, it's on Netflix. Go check it out. It's pretty cool. Uh, the guest is, and I don't think I can talk about this movie without spoiling it you a can't. little bit. You can't. You, know? <laughs> you really, yeah, you really can't. I think I spoiled is, it anyways. Yeah, and it's it's too bad. Um, so if you really want to like skip forward a couple minutes, but um, the guest is basically an inverted version of Taken mm-hmm. um, where Dan Stevens plays this guy who shows up at this house. Um, the family's oldest son was in the military and recently died. And he basically shows up and says like, Oh, I was a friend of your son's in the military. Um, I just, I needed to come and, and, you know, tell him the last things that he said to me. And, you know, um, and then they ask him to say for a little while, cause he's just sort of ambling. He's just sort of, you know, walking the country or whatever. Um, and at first, you think it's one of those movies. You think it's like a, like basically a ripoff of an '80s Hulk Hogan plot, sure. Where you know the son is getting, uh, or the youngest son is getting beat up at school, and then mm-hmm. the, the girl. It's like Uncle Buck, but with a badass. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like the older girl is like getting into this sort of punk scene, and like has a boyfriend who's kind of a jerk, um, and she's you know a bit of a rebel. Um, and she's the one played by the girl from It Follows, and uh, and then the you know the parents are just normal parents, um, but what you and so there's some really awesome scenes like man when he goes to the bar with the son yeah and and the the guys uh the guys from high school who are beating up on his kid they have this bar that they go to where they're allowed to drink even though they're underage because they're on the football team. Mm-hmm. So he goes in, and the bartender gives him a hard time about it, and he's like, well, you let them drink, so you're going to let this kid drink, too. Mm-hmm. And the bartender's like, okay. And then he, he orders blowjob shots for all the girls and cosmopolitans for <laughs> yeah. all the guys at the other table just to pick a fight with them, and then beats the shit out and, of them. And that's the first it's time a, in that movie, you're like, what is he? It's like, it turns. Like, yeah. it turns from this kind of guy who's a loner to this super violent, like... Well, and you get the sense early on, like... <laughs> That he's he's some kind of super military guy. Yeah. But what the movie sets up is that he you feel like it's going to be the version where he's a like a super spy who's on the run for some reason. Bad guys are after him, and it, uh, like eventually they're going to come after him, and he's going to have to protect this family because they're all going to get drug into some shit, right? Mm-hmm. That is not what happens. Nope. <laughs> so what it actually turns out to be is that. He is a super spy who's super evil and is hiding with this family because he knows he can. Um, he's had like face alteration surgeries and stuff yep. like that. He's not actually the guy he says he is. Um, the government comes after him and he kills everyone. Yep. And it becomes a horror movie. Oh, yeah. So it like and a really awesome one. Yep. Um, because the villain is somebody you understand, but who is like maniacal but who you evil. like at the beginning oh like, yeah for the first hour of the movie this guy's awesome and then for, when he for a long kills time, the mom you're like holy shit yes because that's the point at which he crosses the line yeah. for sure because up until then everything he's done you you think maybe there is a way to justify this mm-hmm. maybe i don't understand maybe these guys i think are the government aren't the government and maybe you know maybe this girl is making assumptions that aren't true because they a lot of movies played like the government's the bad guy right you exactly know? you know because maybe they created him and he's just trying to escape you mm-hmm. know Maybe they're not, whatever. Um, And so that's really the moment where you realize, oh, no, this guy's evil. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he's he's programmed to make sure no one knows he is alive. Yeah. 
and it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, that whole last the whole last fight sequence. Um, there's the like the them playing the like '80s music mm-hmm. style score, and him going around in this like haunted mansion sort of thing. Um, it's just and once again, the girl in that movie is badass and there's that scene where she shoots him and he drops into the fog and then she's just like carefully walk because she knows he's there somewhere um and there, there's the the son has a really good story because the 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 bad guy um dan stevens character has to sort of teach the 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 young the youngest son like you got to stand up for yourself and and if you do if you do badass <laughs> there's this great scene where he says you know look when these people when those people treat you like shit like you go find them and you burn their house down at night while they're still inside. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's anybody going to do? Right. And so he, even though it's mean or, or that, like that version of it is really bad. He, he actually teaches that kid, like you've got to stand up for yourself and you've got to, you've got to man up in these I moments. I love the scene too, when he's in the principal's office with the mom. Oh Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, good. Or when, when he's carrying the keg at yeah. the party and all the oh, girls. Oh, yes. dude. Because <laughs> that's the other thing is that it starts. So, like, the girl side of it is that she starts falling in love with him. Yeah. Right? Like, because he's big and hunky and he's, <laughs> he's, he's mysterious and seems kind of cool. But she's she's smart. Yep. And as soon as she gets one little whiff of, I think this is bad, she turns. And she can't be broken from that. Yeah. Like, it's not a... She doesn't waver like the like the younger son does because he wasn't he wasn't yeah. there for I think that, that conversation. I think towards the end, I think even at the end, the younger son still kind of likes him. Oh, totally. You know he well because I think he learned something. Yeah. From Whereas for her, she's just like, no, you're bad. You know, yeah. like I don't I don't care that you're handsome. Like, um, and and they 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 turn the whole part of why the movie is smarter than even you know what it is on its face is that they turn that whole paradigm that I described earlier on on its face mm-hmm. because. The the boyfriend that we keep being told is not very good, even though we didn't see anything. Turns out, like, a he's falsely accused. He's not that bad of a guy. He, um, like, she really cares about him. And as we realize that she is a lot smarter than than the movie gives her credit early on, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you look back at it and go like, oh no, he's probably fine. Yeah, like, that boyfriend's probably okay. It's just that her parents really don't understand. You know. Yeah. Um, and sure he like does drugs or whatever, but he's also like a 19 year old idiot. So, <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, uh, the movie's great. If you, I mean, you should know early on, it is a horror movie. Um, like it gets to a place where it is scary and people get poof, brutally um, murdered. Yes. Um, <laughs> not in a like slasher way. No, it's in a like, well, I mean, a cold blooded way for sure. Yeah. I don't know how to, how to compare it. Um, because it's not it's not gory it it feels real but they're also not it's not so much in your face mm-hmm. you know it's more realistic than a regular action movie but at the same time you know not um not super gross uh, the but. director of that is the guy who directed your next so oh really so he he makes really cool movies he huh. you know your next is a kind of a different but, take on the slasher film and so i was going to say that one's one that like do you you don't think I would like your next one, do you? I think you would. Really? Yeah, you can borrow it if you want. Huh. Or I think it's on Netflix, too. But you can borrow it if you want. I mean... Dude, it has a badass chick in it. All right, well, yeah, that part I'm going to like. Um, it's interesting because, like... Brad didn't like it very much because he said you didn't get a chance to know the characters. Mm-hmm. But I think that's 
part of it. You know, it's you're being attacked in uh, by people you don't know, and right. they're just seemingly randomly attacking you. But what's cool about your next is they they're attacking them, but they don't know that the young lady that they bring is like some survivalist badass yeah. and uh, from the Australian outback who just turns the table. It's, it's a pretty awesome movie. Okay. Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. All right. Cause this it's one... not, it, it's more of a conventional horror film, but it does take turns where it's okay. where you expect it to go. And then it's just tweaks it up more. Yeah. So I would recommend anybody who isn't a fan of slasher movies would probably like your next. Okay. And if you're a fan of slasher films, you'll really love your next. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's everything that I watched this week. Cool. It was a good week. Yeah, what should we do next? Uh, maybe some DVDs. Sounds good. When did you move in? About five years ago. By the power of Grayskull. Point Break or Bad Boys 2? Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg. Insurgent. I've never seen those movies, and I don't want to. Um, and I don't want to. <laughs> I I like Shailene Woodley. I do, too, but uh, I like her in The Spectacular now. Yeah, uh, and The Descendants. She's good in that. Um, oh, yeah, she I, is. I just don't want to ever see another 11-teen-year-old movie again. Um, <laughs> 11-teen-year-old. Yeah, it's That's for 11-teen-year-olds. Uh, there's uh, the third season of Orphan Black, which isn't a very good show. Um, and Child 44. Which I really that, wanted to see, but you yeah. guys are like, I don't want to see a depressing movie. I, I think there was something better that like, Probably. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that... I, it's a movie I'm going to wait till it's on Netflix. I'm sorry. Can we... Can we roll back a second? Sure. Can you see me having said like, "Oh, I don't want to see a depressing movie"? Like, no, probably not. <laughs> right. Like of the three of us, um, uh, the big one is Inner Space. It's getting a Blu-ray release this week, mm-hmm. um, which I have not seen in a very long time. I barely remember it. I I really liked it as a kid. Like it was one of those staples at my fa- in my family. Sure. Um, it's one of those ones I saw like on TBS or TNT all the time. Yeah. You know, it, I specifically remember that as a kid, the the threat near the end of like something inside of you getting really big while it's inside of you was really disturbing to me. <laughs> um, like it just that that one's really like stuck with me as you know something kind of horrible. Uh, I'm getting Wormwood, which is Are you? it's called Road of the Dead, which oh. is an Australian horror film that's super super. Uh, well regarded. They huh. say it's Dawn of the Dead, but meets Mad Max. Is it is it recent or is it? Yeah, later? it came out really recent, but I don't know if it's ever. Re- it had been released in theaters, but it's uh, yeah, it's Mad Max meets Dawn of the Dead, where oh. it's this badass. Do you see that dude on the cover? He's wearing yeah. like armor and a gun, and yeah, he's like to, a mad at Mad Max looking uh, kind of dude. Yeah, and I guess he has to drive from one side of Australia to the other, and it's the roads just filled with zombies. Oh, okay. So I'll I can't wait to see it. Cool. <laughs> I heard it's and it's a Scream Factory, so I heard it's. Oh well, there you go. The cover's awesome. Yeah. It's Scream Factory because it says IFC. It, yeah, but I think Scream Factory is putting it out if I remember. Right. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, True Story is the like the like the bi- not biggest release, but we saw that. We saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's okay. Yeah. There's some cool stuff in there. Yeah, good acting. 
Yeah, the acting is really good. The, the story could be better. Yeah. Which is weird to say about a movie that is true. <laughs> Same yeah. Way. They kind of dropped the ball on. Yeah, you feel like when... <laughs> if you title a movie True Story, I feel like the script should be of a, you know, Sorkinian quality. Yeah. Like, it should, yeah. Be, a pretty, it should be a pretty dense and, and complex script. You know, when and I was doing it, my it list for to be, but... uh, Tom Cruise movies and I put A Few Good Men and I realized how great the script is for that, I'm like, uh-huh. oh, man, I want to watch that movie or something with Sorkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did technically... In the last week or so, finish uh, rewatching the newsroom with my parents again. That show was really good. Okay, so um, I don't know what he ran all the way, but I like the cover. It looks really very film noirish. Oh yeah. What? What? what who's in John? That? John Garfield and Shelley Winters. No. He ran all the way. It's probably has nothing to do with like a noir film. It looks very noirish though. Oh yeah. Of course, my my computer is being super slow right now, so it's not going to open up very fast. But yeah, that's all right. Free Ro- Willy. Yeah, Free Willy on Blu-ray. Uh, Robert Mitchum's Foreign Intrigue, uh, a movie called The Nightmare that looks like some kind of horror film about killer pillows. <laughs> um, yeah. Not a lot this week. Yeah. Not- Toolbox Murders too. That's a Scream Factory. Oh really? But it's okay. So Scream Factory. Whoa. Uh, they also will take new film horror films and put them out. Oh, and, really? uh, oh, yeah, like they did that for the battery. Yeah. So I, I the first Toolbox Murder is a really famous horror film. And then it was remade by Toby Hooper, who made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, so I don't know. I, I might not. I, I didn't pre-order that one because I, I wait till Blu-ray.com reviews some of them. Yeah, I think especially if they're new. Um, yeah, especially new horror because it can be cheap and horrible. Yeah, like they might, they might just be doing it to... Um, to help get that movie released mm-hmm. rather than exactly it like, really oh. being of the qual- of the sort of cult status quality that you And it's probably expect. a movie too where they can get for cheap and put out and say, "Oh, here, if we sell this many copies, we'll give you a cut of it or something." You know what I mean? I, I love the dramatic music you added to Cherry 2000 last week. Uh, thank you. Here we go again. Okay. Nick Roby is a dim-witted thug who lives with his mother and scrapes by on petty crime. He and his slick accomplice... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't lead into this at all. This is the... um, He uh, ran all night. He ran all night explanation. He and his slick accomplice plot a big-time payroll robbery, but their plan goes horribly awry when they're discovered by a uniformed policeman. This is not much of a plot at all. A shootout ensues, leaving Al and the cop wounded and Nick on the run. While seeking cover, Nick gets Peggy Dobbs, a lonely young girl who takes Nick to her family's apartment. While there, the paranoid thief decides to take the family hostage until he can escape. This was uh, the great John Garfield's final film. Uh, he died less than a year later, blah, 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 blah. This is... Uh, this, wow. Doesn't sound like it's very film noir. No. Well, uh, yeah, no. The cover's cool. Yeah, the cover's cool. I mean, it's a guy and a lady. He's like holding her, and, and you he's see like, her yeah, he's holding bosom. her, yeah. And then he's got a gun, and because it's an old poster, that's there, it's really risque, uh, the way they always used to be. Yeah. So, man, I was hoping it'd be like a film noir where, you know, they're an accomplice and there, yeah. there's some. I guess I'm waiting for a Hitchcock I film, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, I kept waiting for something in that like, in oh, that explanation is, to is, happen. Is is it going to be like like Rebecca? Is it is it going to be cool where she's like really no. the bad person and Ah, oh, dude, Rebecca. I know. I know. I, that's a movie I should get on Blu-ray. Yeah, it is. Cuz I 
I, but I, this is what I've been doing. I've been getting a lot of Hitchcock films, and after I'm done with my comic book one, I'm going to do a Hitchcock thing. I've been doing that. Yeah, I've been yeah, I've been like collecting up little Hitchcock. Me too. Films so putting a lot of them so on like I have Notorious, Rear Window. I got those two co- uh, foreign correspondents and the man who knew too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I have like five or six of them, and yeah. then. Uh, but I got to go through because I know his later films are not very well regarded, so I don't even think they're on Blu-ray. So I'll have to. I'm going to go back. I'm just going to get his really well regarded films yeah. and and watch them. Yeah, me too. Because there's there's some of his early ones that I've never seen, like The Lady Vanishes. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that one there's a Criterion that I'm waiting to. I haven't bought it yet because the Criterion, of course, is always like 40. twenty-four bucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, waiting for it to at least get down to something reasonable, which it won't. So I'll end up getting it. <laughs> yeah. But say, um, either way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, cool. that's uh, that's Blu-rays this week. Cool. This is real news. In other news, the Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. The White House Reception Committee greeted the Prime Rib Roast Minister, and I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. <laughs> I like a do the cha-cha. I'm sorry, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. Roddy Roddy Piper died. I know, it's sad. I know. You know, okay, so here's the thing, James. Sure. Is everybody is going to be playing the awesome scene from They Live where he walks into the bank and says, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. Oh, yeah. But I'm all out of oh, bubble you mean, gum. You mean, the, you mean the, this scene? You're, you're not going to let me play that scene? You can play the scene, too. Oh, okay. All right. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Near the entrance has a shotgun. White male, 30s, long hair. Mama don't like tattletales. Wearing sunglasses. Oh, thank you. You're oh, welcome. Oh, man. Be- but <sighs> when I was younger, I used to watch WWF. Right. And Rowdy Roddy Piper was a wrestler on there. And he was he was known for cutting really funny, really... Uh, goofy promos some some that didn't make any sense and here's one of my favorites where he is calling out hulk hogan as the boy george of the wrestling world (laughs) he'll be in action saturday night november 3rd at the boston garden (laughs) it's after halloween now hulk hogan was nice enough during halloween he went on he put his large pumps on he wanted to look like his favorite rock star boy george put his large pump heels on, put his lipstick on, put the eyeshadow on, got himself all dressed up when it got all through, looked exactly like 
Hulk Hogan didn't change him a bit. Uh, you see, I'm the one who took the man out of Hulk Hogan and Boston. I am the champion. You saw me. Uh, you saw me win, didn't you? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, Hogan saw me win, too. All of a sudden, this myth, this legend, this creation that you all made called Hulkamania. What? 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 Humongous Roddy Piper shows up. Uh, the boy George of Wrestling down the tubes. Uh, the only man ever to beat Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, in Boston. Now I have to have a return, huh? I have to have a return before they give me the title. What happened to the 24-inch python, huh? Oh, you got all mad and frustrated. Start running towards the dressing room. You want to fight outside Boston, brother? I'll fight outside Boston. I will fight the entire state of Boston. Uh, if there was one. Uh, you're talking about heavyweight champion, man. Uh, all of a sudden, you don't hear nothing from Hulk Hogan. All they hear is strips of sweat and blood. Because it's coming from R.P. The legend killer. We'll be back with more after this timeout. All right, you're right. That's pretty great. Okay, I just want to do that, too, because I, you know, everybody's going to do that great scene from They Live. And we did, too. Which is an awesome movie. It is. But I really wanted to highlight how he got that part, you know, because to me, he's always the kilt-wearing wrestler uh, from the 80s. And it was just really funny in that he says... I'm going to kick everybody's ass from here to the state of Boston. And he's just goofy. Yeah. In fact, he was so good at cutting promos. He, they gave him his own little show during the wrestling, uh, bit that was called, uh, the rowdy pit. And he would interview wrestlers in it. And he also boxed Mr. T in WrestleMania too. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So he's just a cool guy and it's, it's a bummer. He died of a cardiac arrest. So yeah, it's sad. Age of six, age of 61. So, yeah, that's too bad. So watch They Live and yeah. <laughs> revel in his one-liner glory. They Live is so good. As a construction worker. <laughs> Man, I, I, I feel like I, I missed out on They Live. Like, uh, why I never saw They Live when I was, like, 13, I don't understand. Yeah, it's one of those movies that I always rented from Blockbuster because the VHS box art was really cool. I was about to tell you the exact opposite story. Really? Yes. When he's pulling the shades down and you can see like the monster in the shades? Right. I always thought it was a like gro- like a gross horror movie so I never rented it. Oh. It's the same reason I never saw like um like I always thought that the cover for Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. um the skull with the eye- is amazing. eyes in it, it's great now, but when I was a kid I was like that's clearly a movie I'm not supposed to see. <laughs> Which uh, at least with Evil Dead 2, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's probably is a movie you should. That's a movie I should see. But see, but see you had a kid, but like your parents were together, so my mom and dad were divorced and right. my mom at the time had to work two jobs so she worked in the morning at red rocks community college and at night she would go work at a restaurant yeah and so hi buddy <laughs> so i'm walking around my Mom's mom walking me to the other room would take us to a mom and pop video store uh even before blockbusters right up the street from us and she yeah. would let us rent movies because my older brother would watch us but we would stay at home and so she'd always let us get movies and she'd always have like pizza or macaroni and cheese and so we'd have dinner and watch a movie. Yeah. And I always would pick horror films. And my mom would say, why do you get those? Those things are so... She didn't care. As long as it... You know, the one thing my mom cared about was how like how much sex were in them. Yeah. She never cared if they were super violent. Yeah. Uh, so... She, but then eventually kind of relented when I started just going to Suncoast. Do you remember Suncoast? Yeah. I used to buy the Friday the 13th there. Oh, uh, gotcha. And my mom just gave up at that point. She's... 
Because if they were going to sell them to some like twelve year old kid yeah. at Suncoast, I was like, whatever. I guess there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, my my parents just like cared about my well being, so yeah, they that's didn't good. let me watch horrible <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it was. I think part of it, honestly, like my mom's the same way. Where it's the it's the sex that is actually like a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the rest of it, she just looks down on all of it, <laughs> right? So so like horror movies are just the things she just doesn't understand. She's like, oh, like why why would you watch that? Like, yeah. well, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I'm actually with her on the majority of them. Sure. With the there's just there's stuff like it follows. It's a great horror movie um, that I can appreciate. Do you think that was one you could show your mom, though? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. I'm just asking no. because, I mean, there's a part where there's a naked chick pissing on the floor. I don't know if. Right. Yeah. Like, but see, when you say it like that, <laughs> it sounds like the point of that scene is, hey, man, watch this naked chick pee on the floor. No, actually. And she, well, I guess she is kind of naked. She's partially clothed. Anyway, we're she's just, like. Torn to hell is basically. Yeah. What... And I've told my mom everything about that movie. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've explained to her what that movie is and why I think it's really cool. But if she's like, you've met my mom, she's not gonna sit down and watch a movie, a horror movie where people who have sex get fucked to death. Yeah, like that's not a thing that's gonna happen. Um, I think there are some that I can get, I could get away with. Um. And I've considered it from time to time, but like, like your mom could watch They Live. I bet she'd enjoy They Live. Oh, They Live! I'm sure she'd be fine with because yeah. it's not really a horror movie. It's really just like a thriller. Yeah, you know, like with with some monsters in it. Um, the uh, and Rowdy Piper flipping off the aliens at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the ones. The truth is, the the stuff that I like. <laughs> this is gonna sound bad. The stuff that I like is actually gonna be the stuff she hates the most. <laughs> so like, horror movies like Frailty. Mm. those are movies she is not going to like. I just got that on Blu-ray. Oh, I, I need to, I need it to watch that again. It was $7 at yeah. Trademark. So um, it's like, hell yeah. That movie is screwed up. Oh, like, yeah. That, that movie will fuck with you. And it has and Matthew McConaughey. Is that when you first fell in love with McConaughey? No. All right, all right, all right. Uh, it's one of his earliest movies, though. I liked though. him, but yeah, it is. But like, but when I saw that movie was when he was in his down period. Was so for really? me, it was, yeah, when I saw that movie. Oh, okay. When I saw that movie, it was when I was working at Blockbuster, which was when he was like... Fool's Gold? Uh, yeah, Fool's Gold, <laughs> uh, which my mom likes. Um, <laughs> uh, Failure to Launch, which I don't think anyone likes, um, mostly because of its, like, Sarah Jessica Parker's involvement. Um, <laughs> the horse. But, uh, yeah, the horse. Anyway, um... Yeah, so whatever. I don't know how we got onto that. Topic. I know. Anyways, so what else is happening? In oh, news? yeah. I, <laughs> We're on I news. Know. Rowdy Roddy Piper is really great. Yeah. Um, I just want to highlight this because I think this is the best news of the week. Cool. Um, they have released, and we're at least close to this number. There are, in the upcoming Star Wars movie, did you see this? No. All right, then I'll make you guess. Give me a guess of how many shots, not scenes, shots are completely CG. In the upcoming Com- Star Wars, like movie. completely, completely CG. Two hundred and four. Twenty-eight. Wow! Right? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, of, wow! Even of the, the space scenes. I'm trying to think in my head. You know, of the three hundred and fifty-seven scenes in the movie, scenes. Those are complete scenes made up of many shots. Mm-hmm. There are twenty-eight shots. Wow, that's just completely CG. That are completely CG. That's pretty awesome. And they so they they consist of the space stuff. So like 
they're they're the shots of just you know where it's not space. practical to make models anymore uh yeah exactly right and and honestly where it just looks better in cg than it does <laughs> yeah. as models you know yeah um because you can get all the all the little flares and stuff like mm-hmm. that um yeah i oh man that's dude every time that trailer starts and that bike is speeding across tatooine and there's that destroyed death uh, yeah. uh ship it's so that's what i'm saying something about that shot is real i know like if there are only 28 then then the only thing cg in that are probably it's... the bike and the star destroyer yeah so that shot is probably well shot you know shot in tanzania yeah. when they were in tanzania and then they added, they added that stuff, stuff in. yeah or Which, maybe the bike's real it could be the bike's real and then they just made it look yeah. Because the bike, there is a real version of that bike. Mm-hmm. Like everything you see in that movie, there is a real version of it somewhere. Sweet. You know? um, yeah. No. Pretty exciting. Uh, Spider-Man has shot his cameos for um, Captain America. So that's in the can. At the same time, there was a little interview with uh, the director who said that Spider-Man is the most real and grounded superhero. Mm-hmm. Just period. Yeah. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, I, enjoy I, it. I, yeah. I'd say emotionally and... Um... And who he is, I think, is he's one hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Well, and I think his take on him, because they're going back to him being young, his his take on Spider Man is going to be like, dude, he's a he's a high school student who's thrown into some shit. I actually read it. I think I read that article because he also talks about how just because Peter Parker has these powers doesn't make him cool. And I said, yeah, that's Spider Man right. because right. he has these powers. He's still the dork Peter Parker. He's right. not. Right. In fact, he still he hides that he's a dork still. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then last thing that I have, so I'm sure I'm missing some stuff, but, uh, apparently, apparently they're shooting Justice League in the fall and Wonder Woman next year. Wow. I thought it was Wonder Woman in the fall and Justice sorry, League next sorry, year. Sorry, the opposite way. Wonder <laughs> Woman in the fall and Justice League next year. So, so that'll be some shit. Um, Man. Don't you wish. Okay. So I, I was saying that Fantastic Four is safe and it's fun. Yeah. But how many DC movies can you say are fun? Not many. None. A lot of them try to be. I I think that's the biggest difference. And I, I love the Nolan Batman's. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're but, great. Um, and I would say that at, at the very least, I would say that Batman Begins is fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Dark Knight has some fun stuff to it, but it starts getting pretty pretty dark. And then Dark Knight Returns is not fun to watch. No. Like, it's... well, it's fun to watch, but it's not a fun movie. Yeah. There is never like a hey, you know. <laughs> Agreed. Um. So I think that's the biggest difference between the two is Marvel can make a movie like Ant-Man where you would never make a fun movie for DC. I can't even think of a character they could. Well, it should have been Green Lantern. I guess, Green, yeah. Green, I, I keep going back to it. Green Lantern was their chance to Iron Man a character and they fucked it up. Mm. Um, like bad. Um, they, they, they missed a lot of what was potentially really cool. Uh, Callan's trying so, to lift the vacuum. You're not quite that strong yet, but I think the vacuum weighs more than him. I I guarantee you the get va- <laughs> that vacuum's heavy, and he's not. No. Ooh, oh, look at him standing up. Oh, good job, buddy. Oh, one of these days you'll be able to stand up without help. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fastest way to derail yep. a podcast: is just cool. have a cute kid walk through the room, right? <laughs> oh. Look at, oh, look, he's totally just walking. Nobody's helping you. Nobody's helping you. You could fall, and it would be horrible. That but could, he that's won't. just a thing that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, good job. Um, 
Yeah, so that's news. Unless I forgot something. I can't even remember. So I don't remember either. I'm, I always just click on the Spider-Man stuff. I'm like, oh, cool. Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, there was a thing. I don't have the article for this, but apparently uh, Mad Max, when it comes out on Blu-ray, is going to have a black and white version with only the score behind it. Wow. Which sounds awesome. Yeah, you know, I keep I haven't pre-ordered it yet because I keep on... Because I, I have a feeling they're going to release a cool version of it. That they, Maybe. Because like, yeah. uh, uh, I know... Like a neat case or something? Yeah, because yeah. I know you don't like Jurassic World, but I do know that they have a collector's edition of it coming out with yeah. a different uh, packaging. Oh. But I don't know if that's the one cool? where it has like fighting dinosaurs and it's 150 bucks, or if it's just a cool oh, yeah. case. I don't know. Yeah, I don't need fighting dinosaurs. No. Well, I, I bet you that, do. <laughs> I bet I bet that the like fighting plastic dinosaurs would look better than the CG ones in the mm, movie. I don't think oh. so. We'll always disagree on that movie. Yeah. Hi, buddy. You know, it was a shame hmm. seeing that Michael Giacchino's name wasn't on Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. Yeah, I knew it was because he was wasting his time on Jurassic World. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I think we've got stats left. Yeah. <laughs> So, we're going to be really off on our Mission Impossible thing. I said 80 million. They're saying it's actually overperforming. It's going to do about 50 million, which I guess because it's towards the end of the summer, so it's not going to have such a huge yeah. thing. But I thought it was going to do really well. Internationally, it's already like at 100 million, so I think it's all right. Yeah. Um, so, what's next week then? Next so, next week, week is Fantastic Four. Right. So, how is Fantastic I, Four going to do? This one. I'm really confused so, on this one. So what are the factors here? So A, you've got Mission Impossible Europe against, which has amazing word of mouth and mm-hmm. is going to continue to have amazing word of mouth. Yeah, Ant-Man. You've got Ant-Man, which people are still seeing. Um, is there anything else coming out next week? The Gift is coming out. Okay, so you got some of your like some of your like did, real filmy people are going to. Did you get have you away. read the reviews for that? No. They said it's one of the best movies of the year. The trailers make it look stupid. Really? That Joel Edgerton. Yeah. He's the director of it. He's the really? actor is the director of it. Really? And there's a free screening of it at the Alamo I think I'm going to go to yeah. on, mo- on Monday. Yeah, I saw the email. Um, I might RSVP and go see it. Huh, okay. Because it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Holy shit. I know. It, I mean, it's only 15 reviews, but they're all right. like the big reviews. It's they're, the Hollywood Reporter, Variety. And it's so, a movie with 15 people who like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So it's better than Pixels. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's because uh, the trailer makes it look really stupid and generic. But I guess people... I haven't even seen a trailer for the, it. The person for The Hollywood Reporter, the reviewer says, you think you know where it's going to go, but he says it's messed up. I, I, when I first saw it, I was like, are they remaking the Sam Raimi movie? No, because that movie's awesome. Uh, um, it's literally about a guy who comes... One of his old friends, Jason Bateman's old friend, who brings him gifts. Okay. That leaves him on the door. Then he kind of, It's like Fatal Attraction, basically. I, I, I don't know. Fatal, we'll fatal Attraction, but with gifts? Yes. We'll see. That sounds way less sexy. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so I'm gonna say Fantastic Four is gonna do 22 million. Oof, that's rough, man. Yeah. Um, because I also know the troubled history of the movie, oh, and yeah. I think a lot of people aren't haven't been down with the trailers because if you notice, the trailers have changed their tone a lot. Oh yeah. So that's what we didn't we didn't finish the. So the other factors here are the the Fantastic Four name is pretty sullied. 
I think that there's a little bit of comic book fatigue from the masses, right? Because we there are a lot, every, especially stuff that's not Marvel universe. Sure. Every, well, everybody knows they have to see those movies, mm-hmm. but the people who are like, man, like I don't care about comic books. Those people are worn out on comics mm-hmm. because all of the big movies they th- see throughout the year are comic book movies. Um, and so I think they're going to skip this one. Um, but I still think, I don't know. I still think it's going to do probably, I'll, I'll say like 31. 31? 22, 31. Yeah, not great. It's still going to get its lunch eaten by, by Rogue Nation, but we'll see. Yeah. What are they uh, hoping for? Do we know what it costs? I don't even. I think it costs 150 million. Yeah, they're not going to make their money back. Because that means that with. Mar- I, I, with I mean, I, I always hope a movie is going to be good, and maybe, yeah. maybe I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it in the trailers right now. This isn't a judgment of whether it's good. This is a judgment of whether or not the populace is going to go see it. Yeah. Right. I just don't know. Um, because right there's too now, many factors in it right now. Yeah. Right now, from based on the trailers I've seen, I don't really want to see it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like we have to see it as well. Yeah. yeah, like you, I, I there was a moment there where I was like, "Can we just go see the gift instead? Like <laughs> if, if that's available?" And then I was like, "No, we're not allowed." I think to do Henry that. Jarvis is going to join us next week. So cool. I, I look forward to seeing him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to see it. I I like everybody who's involved, um, except for apparently the director who's a dick. <laughs> um, but that we don't know personally, but nobody likes him in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I I know that as. Somebody who has that opportunity and squanders it the way that it sounds like he did. I know. It's I, really disappointing. I don't appreciate it. So. Dis- and especially when someone who would kill for that opportunity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. anyway. So Stan Lee says you're going to love it. <laughs> the greatest cool. bitch man in Hollywood. <laughs> Great. I'll be honest with you. Excelsior. Has Stan Lee actually made anything good in the last 40 years? Like, uh, Well, I'm not saying Stan Lee. I mean, he's just, you know, hyping his... No, I know. Movies. I know, I know. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I don't. At this point, I don't know that I trust that Stan Lee, like, can tell. <laughs> I guess he still writes, but I don't know what he writes. I don't remember. Oh yeah, he's got all his. Uh, it's not called Boom Studios. Um, what's it called? Um, anyway, he's he's got like his own. Uh, Cartoon thing. Imprint. No, like he's got his own publisher hmm. that he runs. Um, I can't remember what it's called. He just probably just rakes in the money from the Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, like he's got this. He's got a comic book uh, publisher that he runs, where like he comes up with some ideas, and I think other people end up writing them. But like he comes up with the with the idea of what the book is, or who and the so it's like Stan is. Lee's something something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. It's not called Excelsior Comics. That'd it's, be awesome if it was. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see it. Obviously. Oh yeah. I like Kate Mara. Yeah, me too. And Miles Teller. I really like Miles Teller. Yeah. I, I like Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Maybe, ooh, maybe Reed Richards plays the drums in this movie. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah. With his, like, elastic arms. Oh, oh shit. Yes. Oh, and then, and then the villain, the villain is, like, self-doubt. <laughs> it's just at the no, end. No, Dr. Doom's a better drummer than he is. Yes. And they have to have a drum off at the, oh. And then Dr. Doom throws a chair at his head. <laughs> oh man, Whiplash, Whiplash is a great movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is the third time they they're gonna try to get Doctor Doom right. So we'll see. Great. Yeah. Have we seen pictures of him yet? Yeah, you see little glimpses of him. He looks like Doctor like Doom. Doctor Doom. Okay, that's too bad. I mean, yeah, the thing he looks great in comics. I, yeah. I, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. 
But you know, you can also say that they've pulled off Thanos, and I never thought Thanos was that interesting of a character design. Well, they've but... pulled off Thanos in Stingers. They haven't pulled off Thanos in a movie. <laughs> That's true. It's Josh Brolin. He sounds scary. Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, this week we went and saw Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. James, should people go see Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Uh, yeah, if you like movies that <laughs> are Mission Impossible movies, then yeah, you should see this movie. Like, come on. Yeah, this movie's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I had tons of fun. And actually watching it in IMAX was pretty awesome. I will say, just to tepid some expectation, for me, this is my second least favorite Mission Impossible movie. Hmm. It's actually um, my second favorite. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Let's get into it. Cool. Here's a, here's a trailer for Rogue Nation. The IMF is uniquely trained and highly motivated. Specialist without equal immune to any countermeasures. But it is an agency of chaos. The time has come to dissolve the IMF. Now I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? Last I heard he was tracking the syndicate. How come the CIA has never discovered any intel regarding the syndicate? You want the polite answer or the truth? We've never met before, right? Follow me. Benji. Ethan, where are you? The Syndicate is real. A rogue nation trained to do what we do. An anti-IMF. Ready or not, here I come. They're coming after us with everything they've got. You ready? This may very well be our last mission. Let's make it count. So what's the play? You want to bring down the Syndicate? It's impossible. How do you know we can trust her? Desperate times. Desperate measures. You have your seatbelt on? You asking me that now? Oh, hey, boys, what did I miss? Ethan? Benji? Open the door! Open the door! Yeah, I'm trying. Oh, my God! I still think the trailer's super exciting. Oh yeah, no. Movies movies great. Yeah. So any criticism that we get first let let's like let's geek out a little bit on some okay. of the stuff that's great about this movie. Okay, we'll we'll tell the plot a little bit. Yeah. So the plot is is IMF is being disbanded again and uh it's and they're also branded as an international terror uh, fugitive again. and again and Tom Cruise has to prove his innocence again. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Why are you <laughs> making all the points of the things I'm going to like shit on later? Like no, no, no. Let's move to the good things first. That's still good things. <laughs> so, yeah. So, in IMAX, that opening scene, the stunt where he's on the airplane, holy shit. <sighs> because in IMAX, it switches. So, the in IMAX, it switches to IMAX 
like I, full I, format. I have to go see this movie in IMAX. And then, saying, Shit. Uh, then the sound in IMAX, the whole fucking theater was shaking when the jet ah, was taken off. That's so good. And I was like, oh, it's oh. amazing. Like that scene is freaking cool. It's really great. Because what's here's the thing is I I'm a big Tom Cruise fan, so you know I I remember reading that that was the opening scene, but you have Luther played by uh, uh, Ving Rhames, Ving Rhames, and Simon Pegg who's like hidden in the thing. They're like, "Where's Ethan? He does he's gone silent." Then all of a sudden, Tom Cruise is like running and jumps on a wing. Yeah, you're like oh fuck, there he is. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's pretty awesome. <sighs> yeah, it just. Jumps right into it. Like, yeah. The thing, the thing that you came to the movie for, it just gets right out of the well, way. And that has nothing to do with the movie because no. it's his other mission he's on. Yeah. And it's awesome because, you know, he gets inside the airplane and that guy comes back and he like shrugs and then he like pulls out a parachute and he takes the nukes out with him. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. As cool as the scene is where he, like, the shot is where he's like holding onto the side of the plane. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's CG, but still the, the shock of, um, just just the way that the whole thing is staged of the the back door getting opened and then his door getting opened and then him getting sucked in, mm. smashed against yeah. the inside of the plane, like that scene very quickly becomes way more thrilling because of like where Ethan ends up. Yeah, then the could, like inside the plane is more thrilling and dangerous than outside the plane because because which is so cool when he hits that you're like oh fuck oh yeah <laughs> well and then he's he's like deranged and there's a bad guy who ends up in there mm-hmm. because the wrong door got opened and so like all these elements start going getting into into play and you're like okay this is a well crafted little scene yeah. it, it, you know my fear was that uh, and it even feels the setup feels like hey we have to get Tom Cruise onto the side of this plane but. That happens, and then the that is just a piece of the setup for a much cooler yeah. set piece inside the plane. Um, so ugh, awesome, yeah. Awesome. So uh, Alec Baldwin plays the director of the CIA who wants to get rid of IMF because yeah. he plays of what, basically what they've done through the whole movie, <laughs> through all of the yeah. films. Which, yeah, this is I think the first movie that's actually called back to all the other Mission Impossibles. Yeah, because he also talks about the first one where they stole the list of agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth, the fourth one where they blew up the Kremlin. Yeah. Um, There's a reference to the rabbit's foot yep. early in the film, which yeah. I was like, ah! Yeah, it's, it's the movie is fun. And, yeah, it is. And I also say Rebecca Ferguson is pretty badass in it. Yes. The okay, so the, one of the best things about this movie for me is that Ethan Hunt fails a number of times, and Rebecca Ferguson's character is badass through the whole thing. Because. Uh, like like he keeps getting blocked for one reason or another, and she keeps having to come in and save him. Mm-hmm. And like her character is just really cool. Yeah, she's a her character is a really interesting spy. And that's what I love about this Mission Impossible movie is it kind of brings back the twisty spy stuff. Yes, where you can't you don't trust her, but then you start to trust her. Then you don't trust her, and uh, it, it and and I think that the when we when it, we end up finding out like what her situation is. Um, it's a really cool idea for this spy who's like, she's stuck undercover. She actually doesn't have a, uh, any kind of exit for what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She desperately wants to not be doing what she's doing yep. anymore, but she can't get out. Um, it's a really cool story. It is. And it, you know, it goes from there to Morocco where they have this sweet, badass motorcycle car chase scene. <sighs> that scene's really good. Through the mountains, dude. Yeah. So when the motorcycle, when he, when he, when he 
cuts on in on the inside and bumps that guy, and the guy falls off the motorcycle, and the motorcycle explodes off the side of the cliff. It's so cool. See, the thing is, uh, Christopher McQuarrie is the director of this, yeah. and he directed Jack Reacher, yeah. which has another badass car and, chase scene. And Edge of Tomorrow. And Edge of Tomorrow. I uh, know he's the writer of Edge of Tomorrow. He's, well, he's not the director, too? Mm-mm. Oh, really? uh, Doug Lyman was. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. I'm sorry. It's okay. But but he he's able to craft chase scenes yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. And, too, uh, at the end of the movie when Tom Cruise is running really awesome, uh, you know, and Rebecca Ferguson is running with him, and then they have that, like, really sweet, tense, like, knife fight yeah. where she's Dude, stalking him in the camera. Oh, so the, awesome. The, the death of um of the, the bone doctor at yeah. the end is one of the coolest fights in a Mission Impossible movie. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so good. And the, watching her, like, climb up his back, and you're like, oh, here it comes. It was like, it was like watching wrestling, and, like, you know that, like, <laughs> the, the final move is about to happen, and you're like, oh, yeah. it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> oh, it was good. And, but gruesome in, in the right ways, yeah. you know? Like, you felt like they were actually hurting each other. Um, oh yeah, because they were slap. Oh, yeah. dude, that movie—it shot so well because they're inside those pillars. Yeah, and it's, it's really the camera's cool. like swooping around, following. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and you know, even there's a part where you know he's underwater and he has to switch the the passcode so Benji can get in and steal the list, and like it's just swelled, crafted, and intense and suspenseful, and uh, Tom Cruise being awesome. <laughs> So, I don't like that sequence. Why? I, I it, something about it just doesn't work for me. It feels ve- that's the one for me that feels very contrived. It's like okay, we have to figure out how to get him underwater for a while, and like, all it feels like a, it feels so much like a movie <laughs> thing. Like all the all the gates that Simon Pegg has to get. When I when I compare that to like them breaking into the Kremlin in mm-hmm. four. No, not anywhere near as cool. And the set pieces are bigger. Like the the danger is theoretically bigger, but every all the elements of that se- sequence are so contrived, like so made up and fake that I just don't. <laughs> no, no, I didn't buy it at all. And and then you like Tom Cruise held his breath for seems, six minutes to film that. I know <laughs> it's too bad. Um, it seems cool on its face. Um. But and there are elements of it I really like. I love that like he fails again, mm-hmm. and then Rebecca has to come in and save him. Um, but I that was honestly a moment where like I lost a lot of momentum. Really? Yeah, I did. I did. But see, then he he's like, a, you know, he was just dead, and then he tries to be really cool and slides over the top of the car and eats shit. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, the of uh, the the effects of that are great because <laughs> that's followed by the the Morocco car chase, which is fantastic. And it's better because since he just died, uh, he like he's his brain is out of it, and so he's not really thinking very clearly, mm-hmm. and he's not driving very well, and he has to like he has to like recover while he's in this car chase. That whole element. And it was is interesting awesome. too because the movie at that point kind of took this funny turn to it with uh, Jeremy Renner and Ving Rhames, where he said, "You just had to get the four by four, didn't you? We're in a car chase." Oh yeah, and it it picks itself back up really quickly <laughs> um but there was this moment where I, I right as that car chase was starting i was like oh man like i just really felt down about the uh. movie all of a sudden it was really too bad um it was just all of those elements to me like okay there's there's this super convoluted like storage facility thing even though like it does not feel anywhere as cool as breaking into langley 
you know, and that movie well, is 20 years old. What I what I actually said in my Tom Cruise article is I think Mission Impossible is one of the definitive action movies of the 90s. I, I think it's one of the most solid series ever made. Because yeah. saying, saying that this is my second least favorite, I really like Mission Impossible 2. It is my least favorite of the movies. Yeah. But it's really fun. Oh, yeah. I mean... I really like it. Th- you know, that's why I always said each one has its own sensibilities. It has its own yeah. director. They each have their own little take on it. Uh, I, I mean, my favorite Mission Impossible is Ghost Protocol still. But, you know, this one's really close. And then, I mean, Mission Impossible 3 is really close. I mean, I could... It, oh, yeah. I think there's arguments for all of them. Yeah. Like, I, it's hard for me to say anything is better than one because one is one is all that stuff you were talking about as far as like... The intrigue and oh, who yeah. do you trust and all that. Well, stuff. I think that like, has that's to a do great with great film. The director too, because it's Brian De Palma, so it has a little yeah. more of the the mind stuff to it. Yeah, he wanted to make a great spy thriller. Yeah, right? it wasn't a big blockbuster action movie. Then but, af- after that, they become blockbuster but what action I, films. What I was saying though is like it's. I think it's a definitive action movie of the '90s because it has the scene where they're breaking into Langley, where he swoops down and you know oh, so stops. Yeah. But you know, also the scene where he's in the diner and he throws a gum on the aquarium and it blows up and he oh, has to run so out cool. and then the inside the train with the helicopter i oh, mean there's so cool there's moments in that movie where you're like oh yeah this is one of the best action movies of the 90s because yeah. just of what it is yeah uh for for me i love how um i love how sort of introspective mission impossible three is mm-hmm. so i think that one ends up being my favorite like the fact that the bad thing in there is the rabbit's foot and you never find out what it is and that that is a statement of the film. I love that. Like, yeah. And the, of course, it, like that's one of those things where J.J. Abrams is pandering to me mm-hmm. specifically. Like but, he wrote that script being like, oh, James will just eat this shit up. Like, You know, I think I like Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation more. Why? Is because he doesn't say Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall in it. I agree with you. Humpty Dumpty, was, <laughs> Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall is the worst line of dialogue in the whole series. Yep. Um, it's worse. I think it's because they try to make it cool. Right. Because Tom Cruise like rolls towards the camera and says it oh it's bad it's so bad uh, it's so bad all the people who think that like you know what happens to a fro- to a toad when it's struck by lightning all the people who think that's a bad line have clearly oh, yeah, never yeah. seen mission impossible 3 yeah <laughs> like, but but you're right i mean saying that you know mission impossible 2 is my least favorite of the mission impossibles it does. It's still a, like an awesome action movie. There's you know? stuff about that movie I love. the The plot of that film, like the idea of what they're doing in that movie, is fantastic. Yeah, like such a cool idea for a for that, a bad guy. You know. Yeah, and it also has like one of the greatest Easter eggs ever on its DVD is the Ben Stiller as Tom Cruise's stunt double, which they show in front of. Um, Do they re- oh, in, at one. the Alamo? Yeah, yeah. It change your name to sound like the guy you're imitating. I, th- <laughs> I think that was shot for MTV Movie. It was. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Tom Cruise does both his own stunts, but we make good use of the other Tom Cruise. <laughs> All right, cut. <laughs> it's just him being punched. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, look he, he's harmless. He's harmless. <laughs> I don't think we've ever finished each other's sentences. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Rogue Nation is lots of fun. Yeah, it totally is. I think for me, th- there are two problems that I, that I have with it. One is that the convoluted water action sequence that I don't love. But uh, the other one is actually how sort of meandering the plot seems to be at times. Um, I think they have the idea. A lot of the ideas here are really cool. I think they're just executed either out of order or or not as well as they could be. So like 
the villain, I love the idea of the villain, right? Like he's he's Ethan Hunt, but he's always a step ahead. He's mm-hmm. he's basically Moriarty, right? So it's Ethan Hunt fights Moriarty, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. Um, I I think that the choice to put him in a turtleneck was bad because then at the <laughs> he end looks it, like Steve Jobs. Right? Yeah, I was gonna, and I had a trailer for Steve Jobs before this, so I, well, Michael Fassbender is pretty awesome, oh, dude. Even even a guy like me who doesn't like Apple very much, I watch that movie and I'm like, oh, I want to. see Well, it's Alan so Sorkin. Bad. I. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's Alan Sorkin. Aaron and, Sorkin. Aaron, yeah, it's Aaron Sorkin and and uh, Danny Boyle. So yeah. of course I'm gonna like it. Yeah, like, of course. Come on. There's just bits of. Are they gonna have a it. drug trippy scene? It. They're going to. God, that's why I don't like Danny Boyle. Well, yeah. Uh, Steve Jobs did a lot of drugs. Man. I know. I know. But <sighs> yeah, that's gonna be in the movie. Sorry. I'm gonna Sorry. Have to, I'm gonna have to get upset like in 127 hours when they... it won't be that bad. I hope not. He's not gonna have visions of of, com- of computers. He's like, going to. No. He's going to have no. an apple's going to come at him and it's going to take a little chunk out of it. He's Remember, like, yeah, man. It's still written by Aaron Sorkin. Oh, that's right. So yeah. we might be okay. The script will be tight. Yeah, I guess we might be and, okay. And dialogue heavy. See, and the funny thing is, <laughs> we're way off topic here, yeah. but I knew, I didn't even know Aaron Sorkin wrote it until there's like that scene where Fastbender's walking down a hall and he's talking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dude, this has to be Sorkin. <laughs> it totally is. Yeah. 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 So uh, what did you think about Rogue Nation? <laughs> so the other thing... Oh, yeah, yeah. So the plot just sort of... It, it can be kind of meandering. Uh, oh, also, I think that Alec Baldwin is miscast. Of of all of the, like, CIA or spy um, running... Like, whatever you call it, the, the bosses, right? Directors. Uh, sure, yeah. Well, I don't want to say that because I don't mean, like, the film director. I mean, well, like... Well, he's the, a CIA director. Yeah, sure. yeah. Just... Um, of all the guys who have been in there, like he is no Lawrence Fishburne in Mission Impossible Three. <laughs> like uh, I don't remember who it is in in Four, but like uh, even Eric Bana, who ends up being the bad guy in his film, like all of those guys feel more a part of this world. Whereas I feel like Alec Baldwin is always trying, like he's always on the edge of wanting to be funny. Yeah, I don't appreciate that. There's even some scenes where he is being funny, and I'm like, ah, you you stand out here. Yeah. Um, I can I neither just, nor confirm or deny. Right, that. that was great. Man. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I don't know. There was just like the 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 basic plot itself mm-hmm. is so good, but I never felt they never made me. They never really earned that villain for me. Mm-hmm. Um. So like that, it, dude. Just that last shot of um. Lane getting dropped into the glass cage and then them pumping the gas in and him like just feverishly like smashing himself against the glass mm-hmm. is so cool. Like it's an amazing end for an amazing villain that I didn't ever get to meet is <laughs> what it feels like. You but know? I still have two at the end when Tom Cruise like pushes it over and is all pissed off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's awesome. It, it feels a little bit um, like the victory feels a little bit empty because I don't feel like... I don't actually feel like Lane ever got one up on Ethan. He just always sent more dudes. Does that make sense? Sure. Like he all like. But his, remember, his at plan, the end, Ethan sat down. and He's genius. like, "I thought about this too." Yeah. That's awesome. The, yeah, that sequence is great. I'm just saying, like that sequence is an amazing way to beat a villain that I was told was really smart and 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 was really evil, but I don't know that I ever felt it. Mm-hmm. You know. Sure. Um. So anyway, that. That is sort of that's the reason why, in the end, I look at this like all of the other villains, on all of the other like main stories in Mission Impossible movies, it's it's actually really fairly straightforward. There's just twists and turns along the way. Mm. Um, this one, it's hard for me to kind of pin down like what the real 
what the real point and threat was, at least for like while I was watching it. Uh, he um, wants to be rich and rule the world. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It had cool action pieces, and Tom Cruise is awesome. There's something to be here. Say here. Here's a good way to say it. They talked a lot about what the villain was trying to achieve, and they explained that really uh, a lot. I guess. Um, in Mission Impossible Three, they never tell you what's really going on, and the villain is far more terrifying well, yeah. and threatening. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, like with with very little, they do a lot, and here I feel like they they have a lot and they do very little, um, which is a shame. But I still I I will buy this movie and watch mm, it a lot. Yeah. So don't misread it. It's just. Um, well, I mean, it's hard to compete with Philip Seymour Hoffman's bad guy oh, in number man. three. I am going to shoot you in front of her. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Let's go watch Mission Impossible 3. I'm down. <laughs> oh, man. So good. Uh, next week, we're seeing Fantastic Four. Yep. Uh, we should maybe have Henry Jarvis on. He's shooting his movie right now. Or yeah. He's in post-production. So hopefully, he'll be able to come on. We can line it up. Um, I will send him an email. And yeah. Yeah. We're doing. We accept the submission. Uh, keep your eyes out and for whatever Brad posts and whenever the 48 hour film festival thing happens. I think it's usually a couple weeks. Yeah. But still, keep yeah. your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6Nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production. Is that the first time we ever said bye at the same time? Probably.